What's up, folks? Welcome to uh, the Bubble Edition, hitting the high notes jazz talk. Uh, folks, I'm, uh, we're, we're here. Scrimmages, they've started July 23rd. The Jazz play their first scrimmage. Basketball is back, and the world seems a little bit brighter for some people. Um, uh, I am here as Hootran, um, uh, all my himself, at Hootran Superman, and we're here with Mr. Go This Is 49, Jared Barker. What's up, Jared? Hey, not much, man. You ready to hit some high notes? Yeah, some jazz talk here. We, we, we actually have yeah. game talk. Like, it's, it's been four and a half months. Like, I think I want to say the date was March 11th. I keep hearing the date, March 11th. The Jazz go to take the – the Jazz were to end the – we're going to be one of the last games to end the quarantine, and now um, uh, we're in the bubble. Uh, we're a week away from the Jazz starting up quarantine again with Pelicans. Later on in the show, we have an interview with um, uh, uh, a writer from SB Nation, uh, David M. Grubb. Um, uh, he is, um, uh, uh, again, an SB Nation writer for The Bird Rights and um, uh, also host of um, uh, Heart in the Paint. So uh, go check that out. But Jared – Let's talk. Uh, let's talk about um, uh, the Jazz here. Let's talk about um, uh, well, how do you feel just having Jazz basketball back after basic, basically an off season? Like four months is basically an off season. It's nice, man. I mean, I didn't think I was going to be excited, but because uh, because you know so much other stuff was going on, and then but you know I kind of I'm kind of glad it's back. It's like something stable and something familiar. A crazy world. Yeah, same these like um, uh, my 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 forms of entertainment nowadays um uh, have really changed, um and I like sports uh but it wasn't something that I was like craving I guess, and so um uh, but watching the Jazz play again watching watching just our our players out there I'm like okay yeah like like this is nice this is nice um I, it was just a scrimmage, which is I mean it's so funny that this is base it's essentially a preseason game. Probably the most exciting preseason season game um, uh, Jazz fans have had in their entire life, I would say. So, um, yeah, but it's amazing. Um, uh, we're, we're getting to see the guys back, and hopefully, just like just see them on the floor will help heal. Because I mean, the Jazz Jazz fans have had a rough four months of drama and just stuff that like once you start playing the game, um, a lot of that stuff, the talk that was on Twitter, it kind of goes away. Like um, uh, no one was tweeting about really um, uh, the relationship between Donovan and Rudy tonight. You know, it's all about hey, these are the players they're making. This is how they're going to adjust. And there's just other stuff to talk about besides like oh, oh my god, these guys aren't sending each other birthday Instagram posts anymore. It's over. You know. Well, there was still people that were like, oh hey, did they just high five? So I mean, there's a little bit of that, but I mean, at least it's mostly positive. Yeah, it doesn't I, seem like that much has changed. Yeah, like they they're they're back in the in the driver's seat. Um, uh, and we're gonna dissect the game a little bit here. I mean, you can't really dissect the scrimmage game because it's a scrimmage. It's a preseason game. You know, what are you, what are you gonna really get from it? Uh, but it's just nice to see everybody back, and um, uh, uh just nice that uh the Jazz players back. It, it gives us something to talk about. It gives I, I see a, a few other. Uh, I think Jedi and Germs. Posted the the recording tonight too, so everyone wants to start recording again. So maybe we'll get more episodes out. Uh, and yeah, we 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 in in our interview coming up, we preview Jazz Pelicans in a week. You know, the first game uh, in the bubble, uh, the first real game that counts in the bubble. You know, um, yeah. So um, uh, what were some big questions for you, Jared? Um, uh, coming besides the Boyan injury, obviously that's the big one. You know, how are the Jazz going to handle the Boyan injury? Um, uh, what other questions did you have about this jazz team coming into this bubble? 
I think for me, more than anything, uh, questions I'm like, well, I mean, is everybody going to stay healthy? Are they going to look crisp or are they going to look a little bit rusty? I think the the rusty thing you know, obviously was answered tonight. <laughs> I mean, it, it is just a scrimmage, but at the same time, it's like it's, there's visible. There were struggles, like yeah. shooting struggles, all kinds of struggles. Yeah, I, I wanted to see um, uh, some some. Mad, I just want to see the Jazz offense. See, I want, I want to see Mad Scientist's offense and see if the Jazz can, you know, put the ball in the hands of people that need to be be, be put in there. And um, uh, yeah, it, it is crazy. Uh, and really, you're not gonna get a lot from the scrimmage. So things that I saw today that number one, Donovan Mitchell, uh, looked pretty good. Like he was really efficient in scoring wise. I, I know that there was an article uh, by Tony Jones about um. Uh, you know, trying to make Donovan more of a point guard, which we talked about this all last offseason, right? How is point Donovan going to work? You know, like like Donovan Mitchell, you know, played shooting guard for most of his professional career and got to the NBA and a year into his tenure was asked to switch positions, which is a pretty hard ask, you know. Um, but Tony Jones answered that question in the Q&A today, Q&A today about how, you know, Donovan's six one. Um if he plays that shooting guard, it's going to be a huge disadvantage, uh, just physicality-wise. Um, but if he if he can make a transition to point guard, uh, that 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 disadvantage becomes an advantage. Like he'll 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 have that size and length on guards and that he didn't have before. Um, and it's interesting because um, uh, you know, it, it looks like the Jazz are trending toward making Donovan the like I, we saw I kind of today like in the first half I saw Donovan run point and Mike Conley play a lot more off ball today. Um, it was interesting. Um, I don't know. How do you, how do you feel about point Donovan um, a year later from our talks? It feels like, uh, well, especially he talked about it, how he, the part of his game, he feels like he needed to expand the most to become a more willing passer. And it seems like he's really worked on that. Um, it's like you said, he's really efficient. He's finding the open man. He, I think he hit Clarkson for a corner three or something. You know, nice pass, solid work. I'm scared. I am scared about it. Like, uh, like um, Donovan's 23. Um, asking asking someone to change their game. I mean, it doesn't sound like he's that old, but like in basketball terms, like people th- these guys have have been playing a certain way since the age of eight, nine, ten, high school. Um, and a- asking yeah, them to a big change deal, for sure. Asking them to change on the fly, and not just change on the fly, but change on the fly against the the very best in the world. Like you know, in high school and college, maybe you get away with that stuff because you know, you're playing good competition, but you're not playing the absolute best players in the world. You know, you, you you're already playing, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, it is it is a shame. Like if Point Donovan works, great. Um, and if, if we see more, if we see that, if, if we see that in the playoffs and the and the regular season cool uh hopefully it works and maybe one more offseason gets Donovan a little bit closer to that uh and then maybe the jazz can start building their their team in a different way in the next couple of years but yeah. who knows who knows I mean, it's gonna yeah, be it's hard to say what's gonna happen honestly right so um, i mean we all thought mike conley would pro would hit the ground a little bit or running a little bit more than than he has and right um right. What, yeah, what was the what was the quote that um uh, mike conley I can't remember if Sarah Todd wrote about it or Tony about how um, uh, Mike Conley said like his first um, uh, like practice here, 
he hadn't thrown a lob in like years. You know, he he, he didn't know how to throw lobs because he hadn't done it in, in Memphis for for such a long time. Right. That's true. I I forgot about that. Yeah, cool. and yeah, and so like it's it's just weird because um uh, yeah like the Jazz the Jazz are rebuilding right now on the fly, uh, not with just the injury, but like really yeah the, like the Jazz all year it feels like has had some sort of like weird chemistry issue just trying to like not just like on you know in personality chemistry but uh injuries you know it, it was mike conley and now it's now it's Boyan, you know it's hard for the jazz to get that traction when you don't you don't have your full complement of players agreed all right and i'm uh so I, again i keep i feel like i'm a broken record not Pulling anything from the scrimmage, but another interesting, interesting thing that stood out to me. Um, uh, so Jazz got down pretty big in the first half. Uh, third quarter started, and uh, the Jazz sat Royce O'Neal and um, Tony Bradley. Tony and Bradley. I, I think I brought this up. I don't, I don't remember who I brought it up with. And they, I, said, I said, oh, maybe we'll see Bradley and Gobert minutes together because, you know, Boyan's out. You, you have to experiment somewhere. And... Uh, I remember someone saying like it's probably not a good idea for that to happen, and there was a few people on Twitter today that you know beat the beat writers for the Jazz, who said, "Wow, you know, they put that out there, just don't see that happening against really good um uh, good teams." And I, I wonder why. Well, it was the Suns. <laughs> are you saying the Suns are a good team, or, or are you saying the no, Suns? No, are, no, they're okay. bad teams. <laughs> right, doing it against a bad team. Right, right, right. Uh, but again, so. The Jazz put it out there. Well, so they put it against a bad team. But the funny thing is that I want to say that was probably the best lineup the Jazz put out there all night. Joe, Mike, Donovan, Tony, and Rudy. Um, I think it's wild. Yeah, like um, that team. Maybe it's just more familiar to us as a team because, like, we're so used to playing with Favors and Rudy together. But that works better. Somehow that worked better than, I don't know. It was weird. (laughs) I, I mean, you could say that, but last year, I'm a, Mike Conley doesn't have that familiarity, you know? Yeah. And he played, oh, that's true, he, too. That's true. Yeah, he played a lot better with those two out there. And um, uh, uh, even just everybody like, seemed to step, like the defense just got better. And like. So maybe without, we should try. If we could have kept favors and then had Conley come in, that would have been ideal, it sounds like. <laughs> yep. And no bullion. I mean, it, it could have been. I, I know there was a lot of people on Twitter. Um, uh, who had scaled those sentiments? Like they wished that the Jazz had kept favors and maybe Conley shooting at the yeah. yeah the point guard yeah. But uh, well, we did see some problems though with the the favors. So this is the same problems that favors and Gobert lineup caused. Is mm-hmm. that that space you know on offense is just yeah. a lot tighter you know because uh, yep. we we well I I don't know how much of the game you saw but there were two Tony Bradley threes that we saw from the corner today. And every time he threw it up, I went, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> they were wide open. Like, they were wide open threes. And it might have been how the play was designed. Because, uh, like, he was wide open. Like, uh, the, they broke down the defense. They left Tony Bradley wide open in the corner, which teams should do. Uh, but the thing is that Tony Bradley was just not close in them on them. And I, I know that I think Tony Jones wrote that um, uh, he – he hit those in practices. He practices them all the time. Yeah. We all know that practice shots and game shots are different things. Really They're different, different shots, yeah. You know, and so I get that he practices them, but unless he's unless he's like hitting 100 out of 100, and I'm not joking. Well, he was I, up until that point. He was hitting. He was hitting 
Well, he was 100%, I should say. Well, I, I know, because like, I, I, I always heard the story about Audrey Agassi, like how he would practice. He would serve uh, 100 times or something like that. He, he would make sure he would make 100 perfect serves before quitting for the day, every day. And I'm like, I, I thought that was crazy. I, I heard that like in college, you know. Dude, that is crazy. That's right, and that's so like, but dedication. like, but then again, that's Andre Agassi is one of the best tennis players in the world, right? And yeah. so it makes sense. Like, I, I'm sure like Stephen Curry ha- has a thing where he has to hit so many shots, and if he misses one, he starts over. You know, Kyle Korver. You know, those guys, the guys who are great shooters. You know, they, they don't just say in practice if we hit 90 percent of our shots, we're good. I I, I assume that most of them wide open could hit 99% of the shots. So uh, I, I heard the story Greg Ostrack could hit three-pointers, you know, he's never could take him because game shots are different. And so I don't know. Like, I, I, I get that Tony Bradley is probably practicing and probably does hit a good clip of those corner threes in practice. But in the NBA, you can't just be good. You have to be great, you know. You have to be excellent. And I think just being okay, you know, you know, uh, barely above average at corner threes in practice is probably not a, a shot that you you want to take or put in your repertoire. So um, it's a, it causes a problem. It causes it causes a problem for the Jazz on offense because uh, we we talk about you know Rudy has that space there in the paint. Now you have Tony Bradley or Derek Favors uh, last year in the in the same area, and then you have Donovan Mitchell who operates best. Uh, Donovan hit some great shots today, but. If you take away that pay for him, that you know, it, it's just the defense is just tighter on Donovan. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was weird. Like, I watched that Bradley Gobert lineup intently. I was like, oh, I want to see what's happening here. And mm-hmm. it just seemed like the defense stepped up, but and obviously they scored. Like, it just like Mike Conley turned it up, and I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll work. Like, uh, maybe we're all naysaying this for nothing because. It was. I want to say. I, I don't. I didn't look at the plus minus, but I, I would venture to guess it was the best plus minus um, lineup we had out there that wasn't garbage time or fourth quarter. I guess. Oh, folks! Folks are loving how how Niang was shooting tonight too. They're like, yeah, oh, he's going to uh, help fill that scoring void. He, uh, yeah, I mean, Niang Yang has been a good catch and shoot uh, three point shooter uh, for the Jazz all year. Mm. Like, I don't think he did anything completely different. He just. You know, when he was open, he took a shot, unlike Joe Ingles. But you know, <laughs> yeah, I noticed that from Joe. He's still hesitant. I'm like, just take that freaking three, man. Just yeah. <laughs> well, and some people were on Twitter going, "Oh, why is Joe not taking it?" I'm like, hasn't Joe like when is Joe ever taking an open three? Yeah, yeah, right. You're <laughs> and like, you're like, he only takes those half the time. The other half, he'll. I feel like I've been saying this. Else. I feel like I've been saying this for like two, two and a half seasons now about Joe passing up open threes all the time. So. I don't know. So, uh, so Sony had the yips. Seems like a regular occurrence with him. I don't know why. Like, uh, he's, he's talked like, about it. He's, he's yeah, talked about he's, like he's he's a pass first guy. Like he's always looking to pump fake and then pass. But uh, you know, it just ha- it has to be like uh, you know you have to like uh, you know like like Donovan has to learn how to be a point guard. Joe has to learn that hey, the best thing f- for the team right now is. Pump fake your defender. You're playing five on four. You're wide open. You're not going to pass to a better shot than that, you know. So, you know, it's it's one of the things that you have to learn. Like, hey, this is this is the best. You know, he, I'm sure he gets off on like making a great assist. I'm sure I'm sure he gets really excited about that. But he still has to hit those um, uh, wide open threes when when because like he pumps players out of their shoes all the time. 
So, yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, he'd be, he would be ten times the player Duncan Robinson was if he would just take the threes more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're on, you're on your, your Joe Ingles Duncan Robinson kick on Twitter, I see. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's all just funny, yeah. you know, because well, it's also because Duncan Robinson's like I'm. I watched Joe Ingles' game, and it's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm emulating Joe Ingles. I'm like, oh, yeah, American Joe Ingles there. <laughs> um, I was going to say, um, uh, uh, last thing I thought was interesting, I did, we didn't see very much Moutier in the first half. Uh, I don't know if we saw him at all, but uh, maybe, maybe near the end of the second we may have saw him. But, um, uh, yeah, like uh, we talked about um, on the last podcast, right, um, uh, how – we thought Moudier was going to be the one guy that was going to be go go from end of uh, not on rotation to rotation guy, which makes the Jazz really small. Like you, if you're if you're running the you know, Joe Ingles at the four and a combination of Moudier, Mitchell, Conley, and Clarkson. Oh, look at all that alliteration. Um, it's going to be it's going to be hard defensively for the Jazz, um, but Moudier. Shows them, uh, you know, he played. He played really well. Uh, he played pretty well. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to overhype. It. He, he played well for Emmanuel Mudiay. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, I, th- I think he played just fine. He, you know, he, play, he played like a backup point. He played like a, a very high end backup point guard. I, I, I guess. So, I was like, all right, cool. Well, we just don't need. We don't need that really right now. <laughs> the Jazz have Clarkson. Mitchell and, and and Conley and I just don't think putting Moody in there. I just think that it's, it's going to hurt on the defensive end because. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I'm just starting to think that what we're missing is a is a defensive uh, a wing player. It's like that's what we need to fill in the gap. Yeah, uh, you know, like I'm gonna just see it because like, it's just it's the height issue. Like when you put Conley and, and Mitchell back there, you know, you mm-hmm. have two guys who are six one. And yeah. it's just kind of—I mean, like we we talk about this with um, uh, David coming up in our in our interview, like you know they got they got you know Lonzo and uh, and uh, Drew Holiday who are not just taller but have really long wingspans too. So yeah. it's it's hard. And they're both really strong too. A lot of teams have those guys that are you know just are are have the height and have some physicality to them. Uh, the Blazers, um, the the Mavericks. Uh, like you, you're gonna face a lot of teams where you're undersized, and I think that's the the big problem for the Jazz. I'm a perimeter defense wise, like the the Jazz the Jazz don't have any size to match up. With. You have Rudy Gobert, and then your your power forward is six four. So well, you well you brought up size, but CJ and Dame aren't that big, so I'm not sure. They're like six three. They're, they're still taller than Conley and, yeah, and Dame. Yeah. Uh, Conley and Mitchell, you know, six three, six four. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah, Are they, I, mean, I thought I thought Dame was about six one. Well, maybe not. Maybe he's six three. I don't know. Uh, we had a guest. We actually, you know, this is good. The reason I know this because I brought this up with a guest because this oh, is before okay. the Jazz uh, brought. Uh, um, yeah, this is before. You know, it's like um, uh, I don't know. It's like, but still, like the, the Jazz that. just have. The Jazz just have a uh, just a short back. Like the Jazz probably have the shortest backcourt in the West. I would say. Yeah, so, I it, think it, you're right. It makes it makes it hard, you know. Even with Donovan's wingspan, it just it doesn't, you know. It, it's it's if you're playing against guys who are six five, six six, six seven, you know, wingspan only gets you so far. So, yeah, it's disappointing. <laughs> but 
But um, uh, well, any, anything else you, you, you want to talk about? We had two more jazz scrimmages uh, Saturday, Saturday, the twenty fifth, Monday, the twenty seventh, I believe, and then the jazz play again next Thursday. Uh, we're recording this on a Thursday night, so anything yet you're hoping to see? The I mean, I know the jazz loss, and nobody really cares that much, but it, it's a little concerning to see that they let the Suns just kind of hit layups on them over and over and over again. Like the Suns didn't look rusty at all. And that's without Ricky Rubio. Wait, 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 wait. What about Ricky Rubio? Ricky Rubio, what? No, I mean, the Suns didn't have Ricky Rubio. They're they're a worse team without Ricky Rubio. So, uh, yeah, it's true. They just just ran in on the Jazz over and over and over again. Yeah. Our defense was suspect. Um, so I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if the, we should take away that from the scrimmage or not. But the defense was suspect before quarantine started, and yeah, <laughs> and, like, and it did not get better. It looked kind of worse. The Jazz, the Jazz bread and butter has always been defense, and uh, it looks like um, they're gonna have to get a new meal plan or something. So, uh, <laughs> well, we, we had too much. The Jazz had too much. Those images. COVID meals plans are killing them. <laughs> you know, th- th- these are world class athletes. Um, I would, man, man, I, I would love those meals. Like, look at those meals from the, the meal plan. I'm like, God, they look really good. So, yeah, anyway, yeah so. I don't have any problem with the meals either. <laughs> um, uh, all right, well, Jared, um, uh, you know what? Let's just um, uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. We're gonna talk to um, uh, our guest. Uh, we're gonna talk about Jazz Pelicans. Uh, we have a lot of Derek Favors talk coming up. So, uh, stay tuned. Hitting the High Notes is an Unwrapped Sports Partner podcast. Check out the new live streaming show, Unwrap This, on Twitter. And follow Unwrapped Sports at Unwrapped Sports on Twitter and IG. We're doing an interview here with um, uh, Mr. David Grubb. He's the host of Hard in the Paint um, uh, with David Grubb. Um, uh, Named right in the title, very easy. What's up, David? How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good, 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 good. And you also write for um, uh, thebirdrights.com, which is, uh, I think, a great, you know, obviously pun. Um, uh, you write for uh, the Pelicans, uh, SB Nation. Um, right. uh, and we brought you on because, the, you know, we're recording this one week before the official start uh, of the bubble life, in, uh, or not just the bubble life, but um, uh, the bubble games, uh, when they start to count, to count the games. Um, how excited uh, are you to see um, uh, even scrimmage basketball back on the, on the airwaves? Uh, you know, it's a conflicted feeling because on the one hand, I love basketball. I'm, you know, this is my passion. Um, out of all the sports that I cover, uh, basketball is the one that's closest to me. Um, but on the other hand, I'm, you know, I'm still worried about the health and safety of the players. So the, I try to, you know, while, while the games are on, I'm trying to be professional and watch them and analyze them. And at the same time, I'm just hoping for the best possible outcome. Yeah, I mean, and then I'll be honest. Like, I've missed basketball, but I've also there's so much stuff going on that um, sports is, is really was not going to be a distraction for me. I was just like, I missed it, but I didn't. I I didn't feel like I really needed it to come back. I, I wanted to get some other stuff in life and this pandemic yes. over with. And uh, but like watching the game today, I'm like, you know, I, I know it was a scrimmage, and um, uh, you know, Jared and I will talk about how you know it's, it's basically a preseason, but like this is the most exciting preseason game uh, we've had in a long time. Um, but yeah, so uh, let's let's get into it. So uh, let's let's start with the Pelicans. Um, uh, what was the last article that you wrote from uh, uh, the Bird Rights? 
Last night, um, you know, I covered a recap of the game um, from last night with the Pels. Won 99-68. And uh, the good thing for, for me and just observing them was the starters, the guys, their their core group outside of, of course, Derek Favors, who sat out for rest, and Zion, who's um, at home with his family, uh, they looked the same pretty much as when they left. And, and so that's the most encouraging thing. They competed on the defensive end. And nobody got hurt. So <laughs> that's really what you're looking for out of your first exhibition game. Uh, I think this team is is together. Uh, the Pelicans have a great chemistry. This is a group that came in raving about each other. And they continue to, to hang around uh, each other very closely. And they have a great set of veterans who have all been to the playoffs uh, and and are just, I think, are the perfect kind of veterans in this situation where it's going to take a lot of focus. It's going to take a great deal of maturity to make it through this experience. Um, uh, on this podcast, you ever watched the little show Pee Wee's uh, Playhouse, right? Oh, of course. And, and Pee Wee would always say the secret word of the day. Yes. Uh, we, we just have a running joke here. Like I'm a, for, for Jared, the secret word is always Derek Favors. I love Derek Favors. I love Derek Favors. We, we don't make uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse references usually, though. That's kind of out of left field. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, but but it's a, it's a reference. It's pop culture, right? Everybody, everybody knows Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, everybody, everybody does. Pretty much, except uh, for the uh, kids. Like if, yeah, if we right, have uh, any well, yeah. teenage uh, listeners, they'll be like, Pee Wee. have I, no I, idea I who that is. Yeah. yeah. Um, our demographic is the twenty-eight to thirty-five-year-olds. So, um, I will say, so David, I mean, we, you, you did mention Derek Favors, and you, you mentioned I was Favors. Yes, great, great. We'll, we'll talk to like we love. I mean, you know, Jared is a huge fan of Derek Favors. But he's talked about him. Uh, De- I think Jared actually uh, stalked him for a while. Um, <laughs> but um, Not obviously, true. <laughs> but I do know somebody that stalked him. <laughs> well, they didn't stalk him. They actually got his, but they did get his home address, which sounded stalkerish. I was like, that's, that's kind of stalkerish. You, why you look up his home address? I'm not gonna yeah. throw my buddy's wife under the bus. No. <laughs> they just, but, um, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jared just wants to bring that up to to to, um, uh, to say that he um uh, number one living in a roller rink apparently, and number two um uh, that he knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows Derek Favors. So, or um, very sketchy people who can right. track down. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, not, it's not that they knew him. I mean, they just saw him at, at like a fast food restaurant, and so followed him. Real, home? She'd realized that he had moved to Bountiful, <laughs> yeah. and then she looked him up because she worked for the city. <laughs> Oh boy, that's a uh, misuse of powers. Now, now, yeah, now, now, now we're narrowing it down. Jobs, yeah. <laughs> um, but David, uh, so Derek Favors uh, was uh, traded to the uh, the Pelicans this offseason. Um, I know he's been off and on because because of, of injury and rest, and um, uh, he sort of has like him, uh, you know. He and obviously you say he set out for rest today or yesterday, excuse me. Um, how do you see Derek Favors fitting? Uh, with this Pelicans team next to Zion, next to, you know, w- with with the, the core that you have? I think that right now he's the most important player on, on the team. Uh, um, when he played 20 minutes, the Pelicans were two games over 500. There's only one other player on the roster that had a 500 record or better with, and that was Zion Williamson, and they were only 10-9 and nine with Zion. They were 19-17 and 17 when Favors played 20 minutes. And a lot of those oh, games wow. that he played 20 minutes was when he was, you know, yeah, dealing with the back injury. 
um, and and was not himself. But considering that, the last 36 games of the season, the Pelicans go 22 and 14. The last 20 games of the season, their, def- their defensive efficiency was 91.9. The only team was better was better than them was the Milwaukee Bucks, and all of that mm. was due to the return of Derek Favors. Like him on his on-offs defensively were just a, such a huge swing, and it's not. And, and I think people a lot of times get confused um, when you talk about rim protectors. When you, if you're looking at shot block numbers, and Derek is a good shot blocker. He's not a great one. He's a good shot blocker. He is a great rim protector. People oh, don't yeah. get to the basket on him. And that's yeah. the thing that, that is so crucial because when you have two guards like Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball who can defend, then they funnel that, uh, you know, those opposing guards towards Derek. And he's hard to score on. He always has been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even when Rudy was off the floor last year in Utah, Derek put up yep. incredibly efficient defensive numbers. And this is a dude who's played out of position for most of his career. So I think that he is the linchpin. And if the Pelicans are going to have any success, if they're going to make the playoffs, if they're going to have a, a decent shot of trying to make get an upset in the first round, Derek Favors has to be able to play 25 to 30 minutes a night. Uh, so, what, do you, what do you think, Jared? Well, I, I think that that's interesting because I, I've, I've, I've repeatedly heard from folks that the Pelicans don't think he's a long-term answer for them. That's and not um, that's not what you hear here. Yeah, not, really. I mean, like that's interesting. You know, because you look at him, what people the biggest thing people talk about is the financial hurdle because of the amount of money that he, his contract had this year. But look look at the NBA market now. Okay, yeah. so oh yeah, if if he's not he's let's say you're not taking Derek for five years down the road. No. Bro. No, that's not why you guys, he's there. Aren't you guys gro- grooming? What's his name? Wasn't it Jackson, Jackson Hayes, Hayes? Maybe, maybe, okay. maybe. Right. I don't. I, Jackson has a long ways to go. This kid just played two years of organized ball. Gotcha. But when you look at you look at the next two to three years, mm-hmm. Derek is coming up on the age thirty. So right. you get him at thirty, do a two plus one, right. at a reasonable deal. What other teams are in position to make the jump that the Pelicans are that need him? That yeah, need his particular set of skills. I don't think there are. I agree with you on that. Where's he going to go? Denver? Portland? No. Not back to Utah? You know what I'm saying? He's not uh, going to well, uh, We've David, heard rumblings. Uh, <laughs> well, let's, let, well, but, David, well, finish, we don't know. It's all, it's all conditional. David, finish your point first real quick. Yeah, yeah so for sure. I said, you know, that, that, that market is limited, and I think he really enjoys being here. I mean, the team, David Griffin won't stop gushing about him. Alvin Gentry won't stop gushing about him. Every time we talk about the defense with his teammates, whether it's in a practice session or even in the bubble now, when you bring up Derek Favors' name, they say everything changed when he came back. Yeah, I got a bone to pick with Alvin Gentry, though, because I felt like he hasn't used him as well as he should have. It was his back. It was his back. I hope so. He was literally like – I hope so. When we saw Derek and we would talk to him after practice, a lot of it was – Man, he just—you could see it. He oh, that's awesome! Run. You guys have—you guys have like full-on media access over at Bird Rights. That's awesome. Oh yeah, I've been—I've been beat reporter for Pelicans for six years. That's so, great, man. So yeah, so I mean, the to Derek is one of those guys. We saw him work on his outside shot, but nobody—you know—we we talked to Alvin. He'd be like, "I don't need him to shoot threes, and they don't because the Pelicans yeah, was top five some, in attempts, makes, yeah, and percentage. Some, yeah, you guys have some some good outside scores. Brandon so, Ingram being one of, chief among them. 
uh, David here. So I, I guess the reason I brought because uh, so Jared and I follow a lot of the same jazz tweets, and I, when Jared said like we heard you know the like we follow a lot of the same jazz people who you know they just have a they have a love for Derek Favors here, and as they should. Yes. Um, and um, I, I get why a lot of people think that um, New Orleans um, uh, um, wasn't as happy with Derek Favors as I, it I seems. Honestly, that- this is great news. It sounds like it's working out for him, which is awesome. Yeah, and it's awesome for Derek Favors, right? Um, yeah, and um, uh, yeah, and that's like it's one of the things that like we paint as people, like uh, on social media, we paint ourselves pictures, going, like, narratives, right? Like, oh my God, Derek Favors must hate New Orleans. They don't love him there. And so the rumblings that we're here is that there's been talks about Derek Favors loving Utah enough that he would give the Jazz a discount and come back at uh, a mid-level exception type level. Well, no, the idea was that that the Pelicans weren't going to want to pay him because they were trying to save money for Brandon Ingram and whatnot. Right, they well, don't that, have that to. See, idea. that's the thing is they don't have to. The Pelicans yeah. are in great financial shape. See, this is the thing people don't understand. First, you you can match anything. You have the bird rights for Brandon right, Ingram. For sure. You know, so, you know, no pun intended, but you have that. You can match any offer. Well, and I, I mean, come on. The website is pun intended. Yes. Let's say that. All right. That's come a, on. That's, yeah. But I mean, I didn't mean to throw it in You got to take it where you can so, get <laughs> So you have that. Hart and Ball have both already had their options for next year picked up. So you know exactly mm-hmm. how much you're paying them. Right. The Pelicans have free agents in each one more who comes off the books. Darius Miller, his contract is non-guaranteed. Kenrick Williams, his contract is is uh, expires at the end of the season. Frank Jackson's contract expires at the end of the season. Jaleel mm-hmm. Okafor's contract expires. Mm-hmm. So you have all that space. Drew Holiday is coming up on the last year of his deal before he has an option. He's going to opt out. So the Pelicans could negotiate an extension with him already. On top of mm-hmm. that, the Pelicans have a ton of draft picks over the next yeah, few years to get rid true. of expensive players. So they are extremely flexible and can afford the guys that they want to keep. Yeah, I honestly think that the the AD trade worked out really well for you guys. I, I, I think the I think the Pelicans I, I, won that trade, and I, yeah, I think it's, I think David Griffin's a genius for that trade, man. <laughs> the only person I think that did better than the Pelican uh, this year as far as trades went was Sam Presti. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Oh well, then, yeah, <laughs> that's because Kawhi was like, God. Kawhi's just like, I mean, I'm coming. <laughs> Let's just get this guy for me. Um, uh, uh, David did drop him a uh, Lone Peak legend, um, uh, Frank Jackson's name in there too. So um, yeah, uh, oh yeah, con- he's he's a popular <laughs> name around here. Yeah, Lone, and Lone, Lone Peak High School school is kind of like the basketball uh, formation academy here in the state of Utah. So Frank is one of those guys here. He's a he is a cult figure to some they call him frankie ferrari you know they they love him oh nice i like and that then, nickname that's great and there's another group who's like what is he and i understand that exact i mean i get it you know as a guy who's a second round pick his third season he's not a point guard right. um yeah he seems more like a combo guard but he's sorts. not a great ball handler so right. it's like it's it's I think that there are places maybe that Frank could find a good fit, but I think mm. it's not that he's a bad player. And I've heard a lot of people in the league. That uh, honestly, like, we talk pe- about- people here would love to have him here because he's actually a pretty good plus defender, isn't he? He's he's gotten much better defensively than he was last year, gotcha. um, and I think he can be a good defender. Mm-hmm. I think that the biggest thing for Frank is he needs playing time, and he's not going to get that in New Orleans right. because Josh Hart and JJ Redick 
and Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball are going to get the line share of the minutes. And yeah. there's just no time to put him on the floor. Lots of young talent. Yeah, that he's competing with. It's rough. Yeah. So um uh, uh yeah, so that, that that does put a hamper on so some people have already looked at the off season because uh, Tony Jones well, I am pretty sure it was Tony Jones, so I was, somebody it was absolutely Tony. Tony yeah. Tony Let's Tony, just say uh, it was on the radio. Tony was on ESPN seven hundred and it trickled right. that down to Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> Derek Favors and Utah have mutual interest in each other, which could mean a lot of things. Mutual yeah, interest oh, yeah. is a absolutely. lot of things. It could it could mean that it's it's Favors fallback plan for if things yeah. don't we, we also out. had, um, uh, I think, Brent uh, Brown Bear, right, was on, and he talked about oh, how yeah. he thinks – I mean, he said this months ago. This is before the pandemic that he thought, you know, Favors was coming back regardless because of his whole, his living situation. Uh, he still has a house in Utah. So it, it is one of those weird things because, like, the Pelicans obviously uh, – organizationally, the he fans, said that, you know. Yeah, the, the fans um, uh, in New Orleans, the organization, um, uh, Derek Favors um, uh, has a place – um, uh, it's, it's not just that the, the, the Pelicans don't need him or don't want him. I mean, a lot of teams are going to, but again, I mean, the Pelicans are, as David just said here, um, I think you know, money's prime position. Uh, yeah. yeah I think, but, uh, I think. Derek might come down. I mean, if he, Derek were to come back to Utah, it would definitely have to be at a discount. It would have to be that he just wants to go back to Utah. You yeah. Know? It would yeah. have to, I mean, you're talking about a serious discount because like the cap's going to go down next year. Yeah, okay, so absolutely good. On down. top of that, you talk about the money that, that Utah still owes on its on its um salary cap for next season. Are they got you'd have to trade either trade somebody away who's a, um, a key Yeah, we've talked about this. Um, uh, to take uh, favors on to play is he gonna play it? All backup depen- it all depends. Game? We if we a get the TP role? if we had the TPE for eight point seven, that's about the best we could pay him. Would he want to uh, go think, back to a backup have... role? Uh, and again, again, that's uh, up to Derek. Oh, Favors, it's, so like, yeah. it's, it's, like, it's all. It's it would have to come down to thoughts. Yeah, it would have to come down to Derek Favors really wanting to play for Utah again. Yeah, <laughs> and, for sure. I think and, kind of he likes being close to the Atlanta area. Oh, I, I think he loves that too. Like, um, I know his, I, mean, I know his wife, loves his kids, fiance, whatever, yeah. loves yeah. that. So oh, yeah, that, he's a great family guy, and they, I so, think the Pelicans scored a lot of points with him um, in the way they handled his mother's passing. Oh yeah, allowing him that was that classy. I think that was classy to, by the yeah. organization. They said, "Come back whenever you're ready." And even when he came back to the team, there were about three more games that he just sat on the sideline because he just wasn't ready. And for them to do that for him, I thought was an exceptional thing. Yeah, I thought that was great too. I, I really that's that's to me why the Pelicans they're just they're a great organization in terms of like the way that they've changed things after. Well, especially I I feel like. Maybe they weren't being run as well before, but David Griffin has just really cemented them as a, as a really a class organization. Yeah, you take, I mean, Griff, you got Trajan Langdon, you have Swin Cash, yeah. you have, I mean, it's an incredible front office. Um, and I think the, you know, Fred Vincent as an assistant coach, that's the guy who corrected Lonzo Ball's shot. He's the guy who corrected Brandon Ingram's shot. He's, he's, I mean, you already seen the impact he's had on Zion Williamson. So, I mean, like, to have... Yeah, and I honestly think Alvin Gentry, I'm glad he got a head job again because, like, he deserved another shot. Yeah, they, they, they've they never been healthy um, with him in any of the years that, he was, he, that he's been here. And I think ultimately, I think probably if... I think next year is probably Alvin's last year, I would say, because unless something happens this offseason that I, I don't expect because it's so short of an offseason, right. I would bet that next season is probably Alvin's last year. And then he moves up into the front office. 
Um, but I think the important thing that David Griffin really wanted to do is he wanted somebody to establish the offensive principles for Lonzo and for Zion, because those two are going to be like a Sean Kemp, Gary Payton type duo um, over the next seven years. Yep. Yeah. And um, uh, folks, um, uh, let's, let's, let's mark it down. July 23rd uh, is the death of the Derek Favors Utah rumors. All right. So come, <laughs> come back to the podcast. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode. Also, thanks to our Utah sponsors, the Off-Broadway Theater in downtown Salt Lake and the Great Room Escape in Layton, Utah. If you have a second, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and all other podcast platforms. It helps us podcast out, and we will enter all written five-star reviews into a drawing for free tickets to either the Off-Broadway Theater or the Great Room Escape. Just write a five-star review, and you'll be entered to win. Um... I, I want to talk about so let's talk a little bit of Pelicans here before we get to the Jazz. Uh, I want to so, talk Zion return and like well, yes, what the yes, ETA we'll, yeah, we'll is. That, that. So let's that's get that my in. big one. But we have no idea. The Pelicans right. issued a statement um, essentially that what they they've been in contact with him. Uh, they still don't know what date he plans to return, but he is taking tests every day and. Um, when he does return, you know, he has to go through the four day protocol, uh, for the NBA. So, um, that means that he'd have to get back by Sunday. So we'll see, we'll see Sunday or Monday. If he gets in by Sunday or Monday, then hopefully he can play on, on, uh, Thursday and, and be there for a tip off. So, but that's the thing, but I'll tell you this, um, in the practice video we've seen and from everything the players have told us, he's lighter, he's faster, his vertical is back, um, and he's well. He's much more defined uh, physically. I mean, and the thing we noticed about him before he left was that his arms were were you know big, yeah, but not. He looks more like Duke Zion. Yes. Yeah, he looks. And uh, I mean, he said he said he just didn't have the ability with his legs, you know, recovering from the surgery to to exercise the way he wanted to, and he said um, at his return he was like seventy five percent is what he thought of his jumping ability. So, yeah. Um, if he's back to 95, 100% now, it's, it's going to be bad for people. Right. So, um, uh, I mean, and people joke today with the, the Sham Janowski quote, uh, uh, tweet today about the four-day quarantine. They call it the Zion rules. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm, uh, I mean, uh, obviously for the Pelicans, uh, how many games are they out of the playoff race? Three, uh, three and a half games? Three and a half. Three and yeah. a half games, uh, which is not not an insurmountable um, uh, hole, but I mean it is kind of a hole. So um, uh, there there will be some work. I mean I, I know there's been talk about the Grizzlies have a harder schedule, but I mean three and a half games is a lot with only eight left. Um, well, I mean, but you have to if you can main if as long as you're within um, four on whoever's the closest and they're within four, you get to play in that eight nine playoff. So you, if you still finish nine, you have to beat the eight beat Memphis twice to go on. But Pelicans are three and I mean yeah, two and zero against Memphis this year already. So I mean, and they beat blown them out both times. And then when I look at the schedule, it's not that bad after the first two games. I mean, you get Memphis, like I said, the team that they've already dominated. You get Sacramento, who's the whole team either has COVID or is injured. 
And then the Wizards will be checked out well before then. The Spurs are done. Um, and then you get Sacramento again. And then they've, they've destroyed Portland in every matchup this year. And the Pelicans have really owned Portland the last four years. So, I mean, outside of games one and two with Utah and the Clippers, I think the Pelicans will be favored in every game remaining on that schedule. So, you're feeling like, so, say Zion misses game one against Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, um you, you still you still felt you still felt pretty comfortable uh, to be able to stay in that nine seed uh, uh, for the next seven games. I think that it comes down to um, the Pelicans and Portland because Portland is getting Lillard back. They're getting Nurkic back. They're getting Collins back. You have Carmelo looking very. I mean, he looked very light, you know, physically tonight. And um, what I watched from him with the Blazers, so. Uh, Portland would probably is the other team that I, I think is really uh, close to trying to you know could knock off the Pelicans, but I think it's it's Memphis Portland. I mean, Mem- yeah, Memphis Portland and the Pelicans. Yeah, the, I mean, I'll, I'll say this: um, uh, these professional athletes are very impressive because um, uh, they had four months of quarantine and it all came back looking leaner, bigger, stronger. I had four months of quarantine and I feel I feel pretty awful. So. <laughs> <laughs> Physically, at least. Mentally, I feel I feel great. Like I'm um, way more out of shape. <laughs> so the quarantine started. Uh, let's say I was like in shape before, but um, uh, let's just say I'm even more out of shape than I was uh, back in March. So. No, uh, me neither. But yeah, <laughs> I, I was I was a different person in March. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about the Jazz Pelicans real quick here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what do you think the Jazz can do to give the Pelicans fit in that first game back? Well, you know, the three matchups they had during the season were really close. I think I think that settled by like an average of five points per game. The one and overtime game, and then the one yeah, with the, yeah the the, 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 the disputed, disputed, yeah. right, and and then you had one that was just you know. Um, where Boyan Bogdanovich just went nuts. What he had 31 points and like, but he didn't get a rebound. And I don't think he had an assist <laughs> that night. Uh, he so didn't he get like, a rebound, assist, block, or steal. Yeah. So he just said it was 31 and zeros. And, but he, they couldn't stop him. So um, they were really competitive games all around. And the matchups, to me, I look at this and I say, Mike Conley missed two of those games. Drew Holiday missed two of those games. Um, Zion Williamson missed all three of those games. And I think these two teams are very similar in a lot of ways, but missing Bogdanovich is a big loss for, for Utah. Um, having, the Pelicans have trouble defending long wing players, and Bogdanovich is a fearless scorer. Um, and Donovan Mitchell is, it's take, what, took almost 30 shots a game in those games against the Pelicans, if he's got to replace Bogdanovich's shots too, um, I, that I think that's going to be difficult. Um, so I like the Pelicans' chances. The key is going to be who wins the boards. To me, if the Pelicans are able to keep Utah uh, off the boards, then they can get on the break. If Utah slows them down and keeps them from, you know, getting those transition opportunities, I think you can make Lonzo Ball passive. And if he doesn't drive, it changes the way the Pelicans play offense. Yeah, and I think that's why the Jazz experimented tonight in their scrimmage with the Suns, uh, Tony Bradley and Rudy Gobert, because uh, it's not it's not like Bogdanovich was a, a huge rebound getter or anything. No, but um, uh, their lineup was so much smaller without him in there because you know now you're running Royce and and Joe at your at your uh, three four, and it just means you're probably giving more minutes to Moutier, Clarkson, uh, Mitchell, Conley, you know, 
And so the the Bogdanovich minutes are filtering to smaller players, you know. And right. You know, we can't just the Jazz just can't put in George Yang and 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 call it good. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just worry about for for Utah. I just wonder if they have enough ball handlers at, with size. Oh, we, we do not can, have a dearth of ball handlers. Right. So it's it, that's the Pelicans' biggest weakness is dribble penetration, and I think you you, you look at Drew Holiday against Mike Conley or Drew Holiday against Donovan Mitchell. Andrew mm. Holiday is the best on-ball defender in the league at the guard position, in my yeah, opinion. he's really good. And then Lonzo Ball against Mike Conley. This ain't the Mike Conley that Utah thought it was getting. So, I mean, I, to me, Ricky Rubio was much better last year than what Conley has given. And I, I'd take Lonzo the way he played over the last um, 20 games of the season over what Conley's been giving. So, I mean, I think the Pelicans have the advantage there in the backcourt. The thing is going to be Ingles has to hit shots. Gobert's going to have to, you know, really dominate in the paint, even though Favors in his two games shot 70% uh, against the Jazz. So, yeah, and Brandon Ingram was scoring 30-plus a night. So it's going to be a very – it's going to be difficult, and I think that scoring – that lack of scoring and that length on the perimeter is the biggest problem for Utah. And it's going to, it's going to be tough because, yeah, uh, number be one, I need sure. to get a new soundboard. So when I'm a uh, guest, bring up Ricky Rubio, I can hit trigger warning for for Jared there, like a little sound effect. Uh, and um, I don't care. Uh, we have um, uh, I mean, we, we kind of saw it today. I, I don't remember how many minutes we saw of Clarkson, uh, Conley, and Mitchell in there because that that's the, that's one of their third ball handlers. They also want Joe Ingles in there as a third ball handler, but that just at least you know you, you get matchups on one side of the floor, but you lose on the other side. So it's, it's going to be hard for the Jazz. Um, not just for the Pelicans, but really for the rest of the, the bubble life here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because so even if those guys can take off, a lot of them are not guys who create for other people. So that's the problem, too, is you, you did not see, I think when you looked at, at the, the exhibition tonight, and you don't take ever try to take too much from an exhibition, especially in a situation right. like this, but the things that have to bother you if you're Utah is that you gave up less than 30% shooting from three, and your opponent still shot better than 50% from the floor. So defensively, that means you're giving up a lot of easy buckets and you weren't winning the battle on the glass, and that's an effort issue. And then the second thing is you look offensively, you didn't get a lot of assists on the made basket you did have. Yeah, Jazzama defense has been a problem up and really up and down this year. You know, it's, it's been hard. I mean, yeah. and it sucks because it's anchored by Rudy Gobert, so it looks bad on Rudy Gobert. But um, uh, it, it's really it's been on a lot. perimeter guys, man. Yeah, it's been a lot more of guard play, and like, yeah, just um, uh, yeah. But hey, it is what it is. Um, uh, so let's uh, get into playoffs before we let David go. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so David, uh, like we mentioned earlier, feel pretty confident that the Pelicans, um, uh, if they just uh, handle their business, they can get into the playoffs. But that's uh, you know, waiting for them on the other end is a first round matchup against uh, presumably the Lakers. Um, uh, what do you think about about that matchup? Um, uh, how can the Pelicans uh, pull a couple games off the Lakers, pull an upset, or um, uh, you know, what do you expect them? Or, or is it just get to the A seat and feel happy that you got there? Because I mean, last year they were they were not very good. Let's say I would say, especially if it's either, I would give both either both Portland and the Pelicans a puncher shot against the Lakers because they now have the things that attack what the Lakers' biggest weaknesses is, are. So without, mm-hmm. without Avery Bradley, you don't have, you've taken away one of their perimeter defenders. They yep. don't really have another good one. Deion Waiters, are you gonna, is that your 
That's the perimeter defender now. Are you going to put that task on to J.R. Smith? Is that going to be your lockdown <laughs> wing defender? So uh, is it going to be Contavious Caldwell Pope? No, none of those people are great defenders. So if you're the 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 Laker, if you're the Pelicans, again now you have a physical guard in Drew Holiday who could punish any one of those guys, and you can make and you have streaky shooters, which make it easier for him to defend. They're not guys that are going to attack the rim. Um, the biggest thing for the Pelicans would be how does Zion respond this time? He played one game against the Lakers, and I think he really had to learn physically uh, what to do against them. Uh, but I think he, physically he gives them an advantage that they don't have normally. Uh, and you can put him on LeBron James and feel comfortable knowing that LeBron, yeah, is going to get his. You're not going to stop LeBron, but physically he can match. You know, LeBron's not just going to push Zion into the back um, of the rim. So, I mean, I give him a puncher's chance. If they stole game one and you don't have home court advantage in this situation and you've got the younger legs and the playoffs are not giving you two games off between games because they've got to compress this and you're a young team like the Pelicans, if you steal game one, anything can happen after that. Yeah, I still say Lakers in five, though. I mean, they'd be the favorite, but I mean, we haven't we yeah. don't know anything right now. We have yeah. no idea about anything. So, to, I mean, we haven't seen game one played yet. You know what I mean? So right. who's going to go home? Somebody may go home. Somebody may blow out an ankle, you know, a knee or a, pull a hamstring just because of the, the, the layoff. To any, any bet that you would put down, I mean, it, it would be a, it'd be a throwing a, a dart at a board. Because mm. what then, are the matchups? Look at look at the, look at how fluid the West is from two to six. The only two teams that are locked in are the Lakers because they're five games up on the two spot, and the Mavericks because they can't move down, they can't move up. But two through six, any of those teams could fall from two through six or rise from two through six, and yeah. matchups are going to be huge. There's no home court advantage now, so that changes everything. There's no travel days. That changes everything. Playoffs are completely different now. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's going to be very interesting to see and 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 just you know everything you talked about um what has been so obviously the jazz uh got a lot of national media attention uh these last four months a lot more than they're used to and maybe not for the right reasons but um uh what are your perceptions of the jazz uh now uh from the beginning of the year have the, how how have they changed um uh, from last year to this year well, the two biggest things are, are the players they lost. You know, um, in giving up favors, you, you, the, the interior defense certainly changed. Um, and then it has not worked out as well as people thought with Mike Conley. I mean, it, it, so those two things had a dramatic difference. Uh, and I think Donovan Mitchell has not improved to the level of making his game complete as quickly as people may have thought. It would. He still has these very streaky stretches. Um, so I think they just as a team, the Jazz have not been as consistent as they were last year. Like last year, there were no real big curves and dips in the way that they played. It was it was a consistency and an expectation. And I used to bristle when people would say it was boring because it wasn't boring. I never thought the Jazz were a boring team. Oh, it was beautiful. Um, but but this year, well executed. It's been a lot harder to watch. Um, I thought. I, thought, I mean, I thought last year Quinn Snyder did an amazing job. I thought the players were outstanding. It's just they run it, ran into a bad matchup in the postseason. But I, I, I love, the, I loved the construction of the team last year, and I think it's just everything was messed 
messed up by trying to swing big when you didn't. I don't think they needed to swing big in the offseason. Um, well, we we saw from the two years Ricky was here, he, he regressed badly last year. Like, he cratered. And so, honestly, I understand why we let him go. He he was going to make $18 million elsewhere. I mean, that's fine. Let him walk. He's but Conley's getting, what, 20? Almost 30 million. Like almost 30? Almost and 30. He's at, and he's 32. He's not defending well. He's not shooting well. Yeah. Are, are you happy with that deal? Uh, I'm, I'm not mad. We tried something. It didn't work. It's, it, it's, it is what it is, you know? And who and I are both of the mind that year one was going to be a steep learning curve anyway, so we're kind of waiting on year two. See Do you think he'll be better at 33? Out. I'm hoping. I don't uh, think the I, age I'm optimistic. is necessarily the problem. I think yeah, it's. I'm been hopeful, but I'm just, I think he's. I think he's the environment, never having played anywhere else in his career. I think he's an old thirty-three. His uh, body. I don't think. I don't think his age is a problem. Yeah, and that, that, I mean that's what I mean. As a Jazz fan, that's what. If you're optimistic, you kind of have to pin your hope that it's not age, obviously, uh, because um, uh, I mean, really, if it isn't, then. You wasted two years of Rudy's um, uh, the the Rudy Gobert window, and that's that's kind of it, you know. The Rudy Gobert window closes very quickly. Um, uh, all right, Dave, David. I'm uh, again. I'm a hit. Uh, where, where can they listen to your podcasts? Um, anywhere you get on Apple, Spotify, um, Podbean, uh, Stitcher. So Google, it'll be yeah, it's everywhere. Um, and you can go to my website hitpwithdg.com. All my columns, my radio, TV. Podcast appearances—they're all there. So yeah, that's uh, some of that. That's hard in the paint podcast. I'm uh, yep. again right, right for um, uh, the bird rights. Um, uh, uh, SB Nation. Okay, so my two last questions for you, mm-hmm. and then we'll let you go. Um, uh, defensive player of the year. Who gets it this year? I think Anthony Davis gets it, though I would say that Giannis probably deserves it better. I think Giannis, Giannis. I mean, the Bucks defense is historically good. And I think I think Giannis has just had a better year, but the Anthony Davis is going to get it. Yeah, okay. okay. There, there are no wrong answers here, just so you know. Uh, rookie of the year. Well, it's, it's John Morant by a mile. There you go. <laughs> All right. I, I, I just make it sure. Just make it sure. All right. <laughs> there was a wrong answer to that one. I'm just <laughs> there was. <laughs> I would absolutely – it would have been absolutely wrong. Yeah. Even, if, even if the Pelicans – if he had played the, they had played the total number of games. I still would have said Yacht Morant was the rookie of the year. I mean, it just it sucks to be he didn't get to see a full year of Zion, and it, it right. is what it is. So, I mean, he, Zion could have pulled the Ben Simmons and just waited a year. So, <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. David Griffin wasn't going to let that happen. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, I, I'm glad I'm, uh, I'm glad that things are going well there in New Orleans. I'm glad you're staying safe. Um, uh, again, follow um, uh, David Grubb, uh, Hard in the Paint podcast. Again, find anywhere you can find podcasts, uh, Patreon, whatever. You know, it's probably on SoundCloud somewhere. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at DM Grubb. That's DM Grubb. And slide into his DMs, I guess. So. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> David, thanks for your time, man, and um, uh, we'll catch you later. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, thanks, David. Again, thank you to David M. Grubb. That's at DM Grubb on Twitter. Uh, he writes for uh, SB Nation and has his own podcast, Heart in the Paint. Uh, for Jared, go to Distance 49. I am Hootran at Hootran Superman and at Jazz High Notes on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at Jazz High Notes, on Instagram at Jazz High Notes, 
at Jazz High Note, excuse me, and also um, uh, on Facebook. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you guys next time.